DJ Simulationistas, sup, with Dr. D, Dan Raymer, and Dr. J, Janice Palaganis, coming at you from the Center for Medical Simulation in Boston, Massachusetts. So buckle up your mannequin, and let's roll. DJ Simulation is to sup. You're here with Janice Pelaganis and... And Dan Raymer. Sup, Janice. What's up, Dan? Actually, you are reminding me that um, your name came up last week as I was teaching a session. And I actually got... I, I was actually critiqued by a student on using your name. <laughs> and so you're reminding me of that right now. And I just, I thought it was really interesting because I mean, I get where, I get where they're coming from. Basically during the session we were teaching and a lot, a lot of things I learned from you and Robert. And so your names, I often refer to you as I teach those concepts that I'm talking about. And I received the critique that it's just completely not helpful to the students for me to be talking about people that they don't know, that they don't care about. <laughs> it's not helpful to their learning in that moment, and that I should not do that. And I thought that was really interesting, because when I think of other speakers and other teachers, I kind of like when people give credit where it's due, like just kind of showing that they didn't come up with it. Like that to me tells me something about that person rather than them, you know, taking all the credit for whatever they're saying. I don't know. It's just kind of an interesting moment. That's really funny and uh, and interesting. Credit is a really funny thing. You know, some people take a lot of credit for things that is not necessarily deserved and other people don't get credit for things that they came up with or they worked on or developed. And I don't think we have a very, very robust system for for giving credit anymore. You know, in the old days, and I can speak to the old days, you know, the whole system of publishing was the currency of credit. And that in order to publish something, you had to, you know, go through a fairly elaborate process. There were only a handful of reputable journals. And once you got your name in print, it was considered vetted and you got credit for whatever you did. Uh These days, lots of that has changed with social media and the internet and I, I must. <laughs> it's so funny because I could seriously give credit to every word that comes out of my mouth. Because <laughs> it's well, true. Like every sentence we say and whatever we teach comes from somewhere, right? Absolutely. I mean, uh, I'm sure that we have uh, more listens from our podcast than people that have actually read all of my papers combined. <laughs> and the textbooks that you threw out I still yes. can't believe you did that that was like amazing to me I'm like I can't believe you just threw out your textbook <laughs> that, you mean ones that I have 
written in? Yeah, we were cleaning. We were moving from Cambridge to Charlestown, and you were cleaning up your shelves, and you were like, you looked at one of the textbooks that I guess you wrote 100 years ago or whatever, <laughs> and you threw it out. And I was like, oh, my gosh, he just threw out his textbook. All right. This is, this is another old people's thing. You know, you sort of get to a point where, all the things you've saved in your life, you realize you haven't looked at since, and you are surrounded by clutter. And so, uh, you know, I, I have the, you know, if, if you haven't looked at it in five years, it probably needs to be recycled. Um, <laughs> I, I, I've taken on that philosophy. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it's funny how the currency has changed. I have to say, I must get three or four emails to submit an article to an online journal. Publishing a paper was the currency. They didn't solicit articles. You had to submit them. And that's still true, but... I'm the, so glad you're saying that. Like, it, that is pretty new, isn't it? Everybody... I mean, I'm getting tons of emails, too. And then for conference submissions, too. It's like they are soliciting now. Yeah, I, I, could, I could have 500 papers if I answered even <laughs> half of them. And they wouldn't really mean anything to me because, you know, they wouldn't represent new work, new ideas, new things that are, um, that, that are creditable. So I think we have this, you know, enormous problem. I, I do see occasionally I see things that people, you know, publish or speak about or see on social media of things that, you know, either I was part of or or I know someone who did a piece of work a long time ago and the people that I'm reading or listening to now are sort of claiming credit for new ideas and uh -huh. th there are truly very few new ideas and so yeah. um, it, it's really really difficult to discern who should get credit for something so the other aspect of this is is i think there probably is value to some people hearing the kinds of things that you're talking about. So if if I give credit to David Gaba, the person I consider the father of modern simulation and uh and and people know of him and realize that he's written, you know, extensively and and had tremendous experience in the field, it adds credibility to what I'm saying. And so mm -hmm. I think for the purpose of adding credibility, it it is useful to attach a name to what you're saying. Yet I think and maybe it depends on the audience because you know, I, I do find it useful in keynote talks and that sort of thing where you're at the event, where you're there to also add to your resource toolbox. In this case, these were learners that have, you know, it's, it was an intro to simulation. They've never, they don't know anything. They wouldn't know who David Gabbett is. I could see the value in 
mentioning his name so that they can look him up later, yet they have never heard of his name in that right. moment. And so me mentioning it, you know, it's, it's interesting. It's like, I'm sure it was the way in which I mentioned it. Like if I had added a little bit more, but you don't want to take up so much time about who David Gabba is or who Dan Raymer is. <laughs> Just, I say a little like two second why I'm mentioning the name and then I go into it. But yeah, I'm, I'm really considering that at least in the courses that, that I teach where they're, they are beginner level not mentioning names anymore because I thought it was a really fair critique. So if it's done in a way that sounds like name dropping, (laughs) then I can see people, you know, taking offense and why are you taking up my time and diverting into the history? I I think there's also another phenomenon, though, you know, and I guess this is another uh, age-related thing. I, I, I do believe that there's value in history. And it's so funny because in our instructor course series years ago, one of the modules that we did, and I did it, was about the history of mannequin simulation. And I would always show a video of Stephen Abramson, uh, who in the 1960s built the first electronic mannequin. And it was a very elaborate thing that, uh, you know, had all sorts of computer technology dedicated to it. And uh, it was a phenomenal uh, accomplishment. And it was clearly ahead of its time and got forgotten about for nearly 30 years. You're talking about Sim... This is Sim 1, right? Sim 1, yeah. The, yeah. the, the first Which looks so much more real than what we have today. <laughs> the video that we have of it is just, you know, shocking. It blows you away with mm-hmm. how realistic it was. And uh, then there's this funny uh, pan in the video to the computer room with dozens of people sitting in a big air-conditioned uh, computer room with uh, uh, tape drives running in the background, and you realize that this thing was powered by a huge mainframe computer, which was probably less powerful than my iPhone sitting here in front of me. But at the time, it was you know a huge dedication of resources. And I always thought that was useful to kind of tell people that, you know, that we are reinventing simulation and that we are are borrowing and riding on the shoulders of people. Giants. Uh, giants <laughs> from the past. Well, and, but I, I think there's a clear distinction there. Like your module was around the history of simulation. Everybody knew you'd be name dropping. I'm so glad you used the term name dropping because I didn't think of it that way. I, I mean, my intent was to give credit where credit was due. I, and, and for them to have a name to look up if they wanted to, I'm realizing now that maybe it was perceived as name dropping. Like, I know this giant. <laughs> <laughs> I'm friends with them. Like, you know, maybe right. that's the way it was perceived, and that's why I received the critique. I don't know. It could have been the way I said it. I yeah. Know. 
Yeah, it's it's so funny um, how the very same statement can be taken two ways, and um, and yeah, I could imagine that some people would see it as uh, as name dropping. The irony is that I drop your name all the time because, and they're like, "Who's she?" Yeah, no, <laughs> they they always know. Oh, yeah, that that uh, uh, the little Asian girl. With all that energy. How do you keep up with her? And I I then say I don't, but. Um, <laughs> people do know you. Uh, it's it it, it it is so funny because we work in little orbits where I'm in a in a nursing crowd. Uh, the chances. I'm so glad you didn't say nursing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the next step, Janice. <laughs> If I'm in a nursing home with a bunch of nurses, <laughs> the chances are that they uh, that they know you, Still don't know that me. they know Mary Faye, uh, that they Kate know Morris. Susan uh, Edgren. Um, you know, the, these are anyway, these are these are well known names. Crowd. <laughs> Pam Jeffries. I'm name dropping here. I know these people. Oh, I've oh, spoken to these oh. people. See, see, it makes sense to me though, because I yes, know them. Right, right. You'll have to start mentioning names I don't know, so I can feel what that's right, like. <laughs> right. Florence Nightingale, I knew her. <laughs> okay, so you're in a nursing crowd. Yeah, uh, and if I mention, you know, if I want to make a connection with those people, it's I think just a natural social behavior to try to. Uh, you know, find connections. And so I might bring up Janice Palaganis because if the person I'm speaking to knows you and I say, I know you, we have a common bond. And so it's part of normal social conversation to try to find connections in the world. That's interesting. My mother-in-law, who has who now passed away, was the, the best small world story person I've ever known. So within five minutes in a conversation, she would always find some person that connected to the one she was talking to, and there would always be some story associated with it. And, and, oh. and I sort of studied her to figure out how she did it. And, you know, I would watch her when she would meet someone and listen to the conversation. And she had general categories that she would list and then try to narrow down to find that person that was in common. It was so funny because the first time I met her, she desperately tried to find a connection find to someone. me and my family yeah. and and f she failed miserably <laughs> <laughs> that is like that's so typical in small cultures too like in the filipino hawaiian culture it's like you will list tons of names you'll ask what town they're from and then you'll ask you know where they went to school and then you just drop tons of names and it's like nope sorry nope <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> right oh yes my cousin's cousin's cousin yes yeah, yes, and and so I guess my point is that that is really uh, both culturally and probably close to universally 
part of social conversation to try to find a common denominator, someone, someone you know. It just happens all the time. I play tennis, as you know, every day, and uh, I'm at a resort, and I play with mostly the same people, but um, there are always new people you know, hotel, hotel guests and uh, people visiting for periods of time, and they will we'll put them in our group. And invariably, the conversation is, where are you from? And uh, what do you do? And the next step in the conversation always turns to, who do you know? So when I say I'm from Boston, almost everyone in the United States knows someone who went to school in Boston. And <laughs> <laughs> the chances of my knowing them are... 0.01%. Yeah, like 0.00001, but uh, people, people always mention it. And if I, if I list, if I say that I work at Mass General Hospital... Everyone knows a doctor who went to Mass General <laughs> Hospital at some point in their career and in their life. And so they always think, you know, that I know someone. And then they'll say Harvard as if, you know, there are 12 people at Harvard. There are probably <laughs> 120,000 people affiliated with Harvard in some way, and they More, are always disappointed when I don't know their niece's second cousin <laughs> twice removed. <laughs> you know, what I am liking about what you're saying is, and helpful to me in my teaching, is mentioning or name dropping institutions or states or things that they can actually connect with and shifting that when you're with the learner group. So when I'm with a beginner learner group to go to more of the clinical world, think about renowned hospitals versus something they can actually connect with, then people in simulation that they wouldn't know. I, I, I'm going to uh, take a big risk here and, and disagree with you for the first time ever. Um, I, I, I think I, I think I think all those things are important to mention if you elaborate on why you're mentioning them. And so if you say this theory comes to us from Jenny Rudolph, Jenny's written extensively and has three or four papers that we're going to be distributing to you uh, on this topic. And the reason uh, that I mention her is that she really thinks hard about psychological safety and has written extensively about that topic. And I think that's really important. If you elaborate on why you're mentioning the, the, the person or the institution, so if you're just name dropping, you know, Stanford, unless you say Stanford has been a real leader in healthcare simulation, and so lots of their people uh, have written articles, have done research, have uh, extensive experience, and so uh, that's why I'm referring to them. If, if, you, if you tell people why you're bringing them up, it's a lot more, it adds to credibility rather than just name dropping. Well, I did do that. And I think where I'm just uh, making the difference now, like it's, it's actually becoming clearer to me now is 
I was doing it during a coaching session. And so perhaps it doesn't belong in a coaching session. It belongs more in kind of the lecture part where you're providing the content. And then maybe in the coaching session, just like regular presentations, you save it for the end. And by the way, if you want to learn more about this, here's this, 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 and this. But it could have been just completely the timing. I don't know. Sure. I I think you're overreacting by saying not using... (laughs) Not using names, because if you say, so my mentor, Robert Simon, always stressed with me X, Y, and Z, and that's why I'm bringing it up here, I, I think it's for the purpose of credibility, and, and, and it's not for the purpose of name dropping, um, and it's not for the purpose of trying to make a, a social connection. You know, if you said, uh, you know, Robert Simon, my mentor, do you know him? <laughs> that would be, well, that would be odd. No, but I think help, like if I was the learner, I'm, I'm glad you're doing that example because that's exactly kind of what I did. As the learner, you coaching me, I think hearing a name I don't know would not be helpful, but saying, you saying my mentor stressed this with me, that's a normalization, helpful. I didn't need to know the name. Sure. Like why you're bringing sure. it up. Sure. And then sure. at the end, if you, you know, I might ask. Right. But. Right. I guess, I guess in that setting, the chances are that you would use that person's name again as a shortcut. Mm-hmm. If, if you kept saying my mentor, my mentor, some people might be sitting there going, who are you talking about? Her mentor. I want to I meet this person. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I really should have asked other participants how they felt about it, maybe. I mean, it could just be an N of one. Yeah. Who knows? But I, I do take that feedback. I, I take all feedback, and I feel like that was, um, that was useful for me because I, I do do that a lot because I, I just don't feel like I'm the progenitor of some of the concepts that I talk about and don't feel right owning yeah. it. Yeah. And and you know the the irony uh to all of this is that uh the people who we quote are probably not the progenitors <laughs> either. <laughs> you're right. You're right. They, they so may funny. be curators <laughs> of information. So our whole emphasis at CMS on advocacy, inquiry, and being curious, and uh, all of the things we teach, uh, we invented virtually none of it. <laughs> it's all it's all you know curated from you know a, 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 an extensive so biography of people who actually were the ones who borrowed it from others before them. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, so I would love to hear from our listeners. Do you like when names are mentioned or do you not like it when you were being taught? Yeah, that's too too binary a question, Janice, but but I'm sure... When do you like it? When when do you like to hear names? Yeah, yeah. And for what purpose? Yeah. I suppose. (laughs) Okay, Janice, I think that's what's up. That's what's up. DJ Simulationistas, what's up? Is brought to you by the Center for Medical Simulation. 
Find out more about CMS and learn about our simulation instructor training and course offerings at www.harvardmedicine.org. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.